And hello, everybody. Welcome to another Raw Sport uh, interview. I am your head of sport, Joshua Sim. And we today are very fortunate and very lucky to be joined by the athletics senior football writer, Daniel Taylor. Um, Daniel, so thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for giving up some of your time. No, you don't, honestly, it's no, no problem at all, Josh. Um, I mean, I guess it's the standard question when it comes to kind of interviews and chats around at this particular moment but um how has the last two to three months been with um with football on ice essentially um yeah challenging uh, i think it's probably the best word it's um obviously for football journalists i mean don't get me wrong you know there's obviously bigger things at play here so i don't want to sound too self-absorbed but but equally for football journalists and a, and a football website you know it's 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 um there's been challenges, you know, not having any sports report on, you know, just because there aren't any sport doesn't mean that we should stop writing or, you know, we can't just yeah. be here for two months. So, well, three months. So, you know, so we've carried on, carried on. I think we've, we've actually, um, dare I say, you know, done, done some really great stuff at the athletic in terms of um, a lot of nostalgic stuff and it's, and, and obviously just preparing for the restart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You've seen. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, everyone. I guess in football media has been affected by this, and a lot of. Uh, there's been a lot of like, as you said, a lot of been throwback pieces, and a lot of. Um, yeah, a lot of. It's. It's. It's been interesting to see the creative ways that certainly websites and news sites have been uh, adapting to the situation. Um, but uh, obviously, that hasn't. I mean, it, that's now at least come to an end with the return of football. Um, I just wanted to ask, what were your thoughts on yesterday's action? What, what was there anything that stood out at all, or um, yeah? What um, was it? Yeah, it was well. The whole thing it was a bit strange, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, yeah. With all due respect, I've never looked forward to Aston Villa against Sheffield United more in my life. You know, it, it, um, it was strange. Yeah. It took a bit of getting used to. I kept flicking between the. I wasn't at TV game. I was watching on TV, and I kept flicking between. I couldn't work out whether I preferred it with sound or not, and both in both cases it's still a bit odd i think I, in the in the end i kind of went with the sound um it, yeah it's 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 strange it's a bit different It'd probably take a little bit of getting used to it. i put i mean I, I found the um i thought man city played really well and and apart from maybe the first 15 minutes man city just played as they normally play you know and you could you could kind of Maybe because there wasn't so much going on with the Villa game, you kind of noticed a bit more. But City, there was a lot more action, there was a lot more sort of goal mouth incidents. So you could, you could kind of, you know, absorb yourself in, into the game a little bit more, and it felt a little bit, a little bit more like what we're used to. But obviously, it's all new. But equally, I, I, um, you know, I saw quite a few people complaining about it on on Twitter and social media, and you know, I get the complaints, but equally, the what is the alternative? The alternative is there is no football whatsoever. And, you know, the industry as a whole massively suffers, you know, clubs will go out of business, you know, people will lose jobs. It's, you know, I, I, I the, the viewing figures of yesterday were really, really high. And, and I think, you know, yeah, it's not ideal, but this, the the what we, the situation we're living in the country at the moment is not ideal. So you know, I think we just have to get on with it really and make do with what we can. Yeah, and um, you know, looking at the obviously the landscape of football, obviously this has now changed not only things in the short term, but will have an effect, a knockout effect on um, seasons 
beyond um, this kind of mini nine-week season. Um, you, you know, you know, you've covered the game for quite a while now, and you've seen the game. You've seen, you've covered. Obviously, you've um, as you've done some in- investigations on issues that have plagued the game as well. So, in your kind of estimation and in your opinion, what do you think will be the main or one of the main issues that um, football will have to confront and the challenges that they'll have? Um, as a result of what's happened, obviously, with the global situation, what do you think will be the kind of next thing? Is it as easy to say as the finances um, being the main one? Or what would what would you think is the big issue that football faces? Yeah, um, well, it is, I mean, it's it's probably lower down the leagues, really, where it's really going yeah. cut deep. Um, I mean, I, I know of non-league teams that are really worried about their futures. The... Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not talking about village teams. You know, you're talking about sort of lower League One, League Two clubs that are really going to be, you know, who, and especially that kind of higher end of non-league where they really rely on. Um, they don't get TV money. Um, you know, they rely on basically people paying to go for the turnstiles and people paying to buy drinks in, in the bar during games and people buying the program and um, and just obviously they've lost all of that. Uh, income, so obviously uh, you know they do still play, have to pay players. So immediately they're they're at a massive disadvantage. So I think that's going to become a big issue. Um, you know, I think we'll just see the effects of that already. You know, we've seen we've, you know we've seen Real already who who announced that they were going to go out of business. Um, so already it's you know it's it, it's a it's a big thing, but I think it will become even bigger. Yeah, and it, obviously you know it does mean that. In a weird way, this season is going to be remembered for all sorts of things. Obviously, the break and play, and obviously up until now, um, you know, in terms of the Premier League, Liverpool are obviously very dominant. Um, but do you think this season will be kind of in years to come be perceived as more of a? Not, I wouldn't say an asterisk, and I don't want to say negative, but you know, with the connotation, with the effects that it will have in the long term, that will no doubt set the game a little bit. Um, back and obviously affect, uh, as you said, teams down lower down in the in in the football pyramid. Do you think this season, when we kind of look back on it, will be remembered more for the kind of consequences and negative effects it had, or would it be still um, kind of remembered for you know some of the great football that we've seen um, this season? Well, as well? well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, the, it's I mean, it's certainly not ideal for Liverpool. You know, for example, you know, haven't won the league for thirty years. It's a massive thing for them, you know, just huge, huge, you know, the league has become an obsession for Liverpool. There's no doubt about it. And and then all of a sudden, um, you know, it's the two, well, they could have been two games away from winning it. Basically, you know, it would have been the, such a massive occasion for Liverpool. And there's no, there's no getting away from the fact it will now feel very much uh, anticlimactic. You know, there's, there's not going to be anyone inside the stadiums. There's, it's just there's been such a delay in the league it just doesn't it all feels so kind of like fragmented now and um it, yeah i mean it doesn't change the fact that they've won the league they deserve to win the league they're a great team and all, all the rest of the praise they've they've got but it just yeah the league as a whole is his the break in it it feels really weird to pick it back up and it's probably an easy question to to answer sort of towards the end of it but every, everything yeah. has changed you know they're basically going to have the they, they obviously said yesterday they're going to have the Champions League in a, in a that actually could be quite exciting you know kind of a the, the format that they've planned it will be kind of like a mini tournament basically you know in a 
in a different sense to how it is now. It's very stretched out over the course of the season. Now it's all going to be condensed into into a kind of a two week period or so. So that, to be fair, it might work, but it's 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 the whole kind of I don't know. Really, it's such a difficult time for the you know well for the world and and every all of us have had of. Um, had to live with this for the last few months and we're all getting used to it and there is no real other option apart from not having the football and I, I would rather have it and try and make it as appealing as we can yes this season will be remembered as you say Josh not not with an asterisk as such but it will be remembered in a in a sort of very strange way it's you know, it's it's been unique in our lives hasn't it we've never known anything like that before so so, so yeah, it's going to be. Um, it, it's it's certainly not been the normal. No, and uh, obviously now it's it, you know it puts teams in a position where they have to kind of put all their energy into this kind of nine week sprint, if you like, having prepared for a yeah. for a you know a nine or eight or nine month kind of marathon. So it, it is very interesting, and obviously you've you know I you know I just read your piece about um and Solskjaer and how this is a big kind of nine week period for him is that the storyline that i guess you're most intrigued by personally in this last kind of uh, well, last two months or um, it's, not the only, it's not the only one but um i mean obviously it'd be interesting to see what happens with Manchester city and the champions league ban and how how obviously they Manchester City do it in the champions league and but yeah i do think Manchester united is very interesting because Solskjaer's management there has gone in um, sort of fits and starts, really. He started off brilliantly. Then there was a long period of drift, really, where, where you know, if you, if you were thinking it wasn't working, you know, you, you, you certainly were entitled to, to those thoughts because I think in, in eight months, admittedly, with the, with the summer in the middle of it, the, the, um, they won six league games and... You know his his record for a long time was worse worse statistically than Mourinho's than than David Moyes than Van Gaal's. It was worse than Unai Emery's at Arsenal, and and it was it was very much on a par with Pochettino's from his last uh, the corresponding number of games. At but at the same time, Pochettino took his team to a Champions League final. You know, whereas yeah. so so there's no doubt about it that he's been treated a lot more sympathetically than than other United managers have been since Ferguson and other managers would be elsewhere. And that is purely because he is very popular at United, his history. He was such a, you know, he wore the colours. He scored the winning goal in Champions League final. It's just that old thing, isn't it? You know, just because you're a very popular ex-player, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a great manager. But these next coming sort of, you know, if you if you count Europe as well, these next two months... You know, he's got Pogba back with Bruno Fernandes. He's got Rashford back from injury. There's um, sounds a little bit cliche, but the, you know there are there are no excuses really. So we, we should we should be able to see now. Um, he's got a fully fit squad apart from a couple of players that aren't necessarily first team players anyway. We should be able to see exactly how good Solskjaer is. He's not in the honeymoon period. He's you know it's it's just a time now to see how good he is at motivating a team and can he get. United into the Champions League and can they win a trophy or even two? Yeah, it's very, I mean, it is very interesting, the uh, recent trend of obviously a lot of ex-players are now finding themselves in managerial posts and you think about, um, and I know obviously that's, he's one example, but obviously Jurgen Klopp didn't have the greatest playing career himself and yeah. is now, you know, become a, a world-class managerial um, coach. So it's, it's, it's really interesting the kind of, um, 
what do you call, I guess the ebbs and flows, the trends and just the trends of how the game is going. Um, so we, I mean, you've mentioned Solskjaer, are there any other storylines that you're looking forward to? I know obviously as a Nottingham Forest fan, you'd, you'd love them to go through the playoffs uh, in the championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that would be nice after what, 21 years out of the Premier League. You know, so. um, well, there's lot, lots, lots of storylines really. I mean, obviously um, the relegation issues are interesting. You know, we um, sort of see, I mean, it'd be a huge story if, I think West Ham have probably got enough to stay up. It'd be a huge story if West Ham went down with everything that's happened there, the new stadium. And, you know, I mean, if they did go down, I'd dread to think how their fans would react, although possibly it might work in their favour that the fans, you know, aren't actually there, um, strangely enough. So, um, yeah, can Sheffield United get in the Champions League places? I mean, yeah. they they can feel incredibly hard done by last night with that, with that goal, um, the goal that never was, because... It was just so obvious and everyone's talking about the goal line technology, but VAR, you know, could, they're, they're in they could have stopped the game and said that was a goal. Everyone could see it on TV within seconds. It was obvious anyway. You could just tell from the player, you know, anyone that's been in football could just tell from the, the reaction. The goalkeeper was, you know, the, the goalkeeper, you could see in the goalkeeper's face, you could see the player's celebrations. They weren't even appealing to the referee. They, they just ran off celebrating the goal. So, so that two points could cost, can you, you know? Can you imagine if Sheffield United don't get in the Champions League because of because of that? You know, that, and equally Villa might stay up because of that point. So, yeah. I mean, I you know I quite like the controversies. Is you know we we you know they're all talking points, aren't they? And they're all big things. But yeah, Sheffield United can Sheffield United get in the Champions League? That'd be an incredible achievement. Um, Chelsea is quite interesting. It's just similar with Solskjaer, really. You know, Frank Lampard, very popular club legend. Um, I think he's done a good job so far, but it, it's it's what he, you know he's not had the until recently he's not been able to sort of bring in players. Um, I think it's what you call it a good to very good job, but not perhaps a spectacular job so far from Lampard. You know they, um, but equally, um, you know they, they can finish in, in the Champions League, and you know they're still in the they've got an FA Cup tie at Leicester to come up, so. They've still got it all to play for. So, so yeah. And then, as you say, the championship playoffs, where which involved my team, Forest, and um, and I've seen this in the playoffs four times before, and we've not never even reached the final. So, the tenth fate too much. But, but yeah, that I'll be look, obviously keeping my eye on that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and obviously, under Sabri Lamucci, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. He's they've been doing a brilliant job. He's been um, on essentially a one. I think he's on a one year deal, isn't it? So it's a bit of a rental, and he's kind of yeah done very well. One year at Forest is quite a long stint. Uh, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's done a good job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just gonna. I'm also just gonna bring into the conversation our deputy head of sport, um, Joe Spagnoli. Joe, I saw you run and get a scarf. Was that like a Nottingham Forest themed scarf or something? Yeah, I mean, I don't support them by any means, but I am quite partial to them. And I remember that I had a couple of scarves in the wardrobe, so I went and got one in honor of Dan Taylor. There we are. Those two stars always make you know. I'm, I, I've told my son, I live in Manchester, so I'm, I'm brainwashed my son to being a Forest fan, which is not easy when you live where I do. And um, yeah, I promised him we'll get a third star. I mean, clearly that's a barefaced lie, but he doesn't know he's too young to know that. Maybe if if Clough continues, if Nigel Clough that is uh, was to move over and continue the dynasty somehow, anything can happen in football. Um, I did I did have a question actually. Um, yeah. 
Um, because one of the one of the things you're most well known for is the uh, investigation into the English uh, coach sex abuse scandal occurring well throughout the mm. 70s and 80s primarily. I, I'm assuming, perhaps I'm wrong about this, that this is a very different kind of news story to investigate than your average transfer story or managerial drama. What was your personal first step in approaching that, whether that's doing research into the matter or interviewing someone? How did you approach that scandal specifically when you were still at i believe the guardian at the time yeah i was yeah i was um, i mean i had a, I had a little bit of luck but i suppose um yeah i mean i mean i was approached initially about the first story and the reason why i, I mean I hope this doesn't sound at all conceited or anything but i was approached because someone was a fan of my work i suppose at the guardian and basically had recommended that I might be a good person to to sort of to do the story. So, so yes, it was one. It was a. It was Andy Woodward. He was a player at Crew, and obviously Crew, one of the most affected clubs. And basically, Andy and I had a mutual. Um, uh, well, I mean, it wasn't someone I particularly knew, but obviously, it was it was someone that knew my work. And basically, he he recommended to Andy that he came to me. And obviously, as you say, you know, I'm I'm usually a hamstrings, offsides. <laughs> You know, or increasingly VAR man, and um, so yeah, this was a, an entirely different ball game. Basically, I mean, you know, the story's gone global. The, you know, there's been countless people sent to prison, and um, countless, you know, there's inquiries are still ongoing. There's still people going through the court system. Um, there's various clubs: uh, Manchester City, Southampton. Um, it, uh, lots of clubs who've started paying out in compensation and damages. The High Court case is coming up for claims for compensation. Um, um, yeah, so it's it's so it all started in November two thousand sixteen, and you know I, I I went to see Andy, and basically um, we I think one of the best things we did we we really took our time. You know, it wasn't like I interviewed him and then just went went and wrote it. You know, we sort of spent about three months. Um, preparing for it and that was probably in hindsight you know a really good decision because you know um, it just gave us time to kind of work you know, and also Andy needed time you know it was a massive decision to waver anonymity as a child sex abuse victim you know he's, you know horrific crimes that he endured as a kid you know which have shaped his life and shaped you know I mean the figures I mean they've stopped actually producing the figures now but the the, the last you know, there, there'd been something like two, you know, two thousand, two thousand reports of 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 this, and hundreds of suspects identified. And you know, so it, I mean, it was. I knew it was big. I didn't realise how big, if you know what I mean. So, so that initial period was pretty crazy in terms of just, you know, the phone never stopped ringing. And um, but strangely, I mean, one of the tactics, I suppose, if that's uh, the right way, I never actually went and. You know, I, I know of loads of ex-players and players from that time who were who who um, obviously have a story to tell. I, but I I just took a decision early on, and I hope this doesn't sound too pious. But I I never knocked on I've never knocked on anyone's door and and or rung anybody and said oh, I believe you you were coached by this player by this coach, and you know you may have been one of the victims. I kind of um, just because I, I kind of you know I'd spent time with the initial group of players that came forward. I suppose I you know I probably had their trust, which sort of just grew. And you know I'm friends with them. They're they're, they're mates of mine. I was best best man at Andy's wedding, and you know attended another 
of the weddings recently and you know i'm in touch with our suite all the time and i think through that they they their network basically people just realized that i i suppose was someone that they could trust in turn and you know so so i had the players kind of came to me if you know what i mean now now maybe i could have gone i maybe could have got spoken to even more if i'd actually been a little bit more um assertive in that but i just I, something didn't quite feel right in terms of um ringing someone to basically say you know were you abused as a child you know i think it's a very personal thing if they want if they want to talk they're going to know they want to talk they don't need a stranger ringing them and saying do you want to talk if you know that, that they would if they if they really felt like well they want to get out and open i would i would like to think that they they would have known you know within within a few weeks i've spoken to sort of like five five players and then they're obviously that everyone sees that and then they they hopefully would realize that I could be trusted. Yeah, um, it, and I I was and I was you know I, I was going to ask you something about, about how 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 is it in terms of attaining their trust to talk about something uncomfortable? I think you covered it um, pretty much in your answer there. Um, is that that investigation and that kind of whole piece or series of pieces? Is that some of the most proud I is that some of the pieces that you're most proud of when you look and when you look at your career so far um in terms of um, yeah I just you sort of um I always feel slightly um pe people often say that to me and I and yes of course you know I mean um humble brag moment you know it's like I've won many kind of awards for it and it's you know it's been nice to be recognized for it and to, you know to be part of part of helping you know, helping to get, you know, I mean, to sit in a court and watch someone get 30 years in prison is is quite a moment, you know, and obviously a big thing for me personally. But but where I always feel slightly kind of, um, not embarrassed, but I don't want to go on about it too much. I always think that I did the easy part, really, you know, I'm, whereas the, the lads who were abused, can you imagine like the pressure they were under to yeah. basically, you know, to put their names out there? You know, especially footballers with all the kind of male culture that goes on in football, to basically say, you know, I was sexually abused as a child for you know X number of years. I was raped. I was molested by, you know, just just the pressure they were under to basically, you know, and for them to actually basically come out and and you know they they automatically have anonymity as child sex abuse victims. So for them to actually sign a letter to me because you have to have a signed letter to to run something like that. To saying yes, I, you know, I, I just, you know, and then they went to court, they went to the police, you know, I, I've seen the effect it's had, you know, it's shattered their lives in some cases. So I always feel a little bit, I don't want to be too kind of, yeah, didn't I do well there? Because I always think that really they did the hard work and I, I helped them. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I did do quite, you know, reasonably well. I'm quite pleased with how I covered the case and the, you know, the the, the way I approached anything. But, but you know, what the, what they did compared to what I did doesn't really compare, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it, it's, it's an obviously very uncomfortable topic um, to approach, but I think definitely in your pieces that you did it really well. Um, I just wanted to also ask, I guess, looking at, I mean, talking about memorable pieces, is there any games or events that have been memorable for you to cover um, going to a stadium and watching? Are there any that stick out? Um, well, well, don't hate me when I say this, but after, after, after a number of years, you, you, you do... Um, I suppose the thrill of kind of you know I always I mean I lo always love going back to the new camp or somewhere like that and I love the travel you know what I'm missing at the moment is the travel as much as the games you know because normally I'm 
sort of you know flying here and there and sort of you know seeing new countries and everything the it's a strange one a lot of my mates hate it when I say this but you know I am I am there often to work it's not like I'm just sitting there just just admiring the view you know and obviously you've got the pressures of of your work it's you know don't get me wrong it's not I'm not I'm not a surgeon saving someone's life or something but equally you're working against a deadline you're working in competition you know it's quite it can be quite stressful quite tiring because you you know you're you sleep you, you tend to be flying at all sorts of times so so I mean in terms of memorable game you know I, I mean I'd sound very spoiled if I didn't mention um you know covering a world cup final at um you know at the maracana in in brazil you know i was really nervous that day uh, you know I've, I've kind of i've done enough of this job to lose the nerves from going to you know when i started I, I used to sit in the press box and be really like jittery about you know just w worrying about whether you know it's difficult sometimes when your deadlines when you know when you when there's a newspaper waiting for your work and the deadline is literally five minutes after the final whistle and there's a goal in extra time that changes the entire story you know you've you're writing you know you're writing during the game and you may have written like 800 words and the entire story you know i always feel for the journalists that were covered the 1999 champions league final when united scored twice in injury time their match reports must have been absolutely shredded and for you know alex ferguson basically you know he 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 made a point of seeing the first editions of the newspapers to see the the early match reports because three quarters of it were basically saying where united had gone wrong and then the the the, the top paragraph just squeezed in in about 60 seconds flat was saying you know rah rah united glory you know glory glory may united have just won the champions league but whereas the rest of the match reports would have been all about how you know it, it wasn't going well for them so so there's a, there are there is actually a lot of stress but i i was i was really nervous that day at the world cup final i just remember thinking you know i'm never I can't imagine I could ever really beat a bigger game, and and then the Wi-Fi, which you, you know, again, you, you completely reliant on Wi-Fi. If the Wi-Fi stops, I can't work. And the Wi-Fi went down an hour before the game and went down for about forty minutes. And it wasn't just myself; I could just see other journey. Just like there was a mild panic growing. It was the biggest yeah. game of our lives, and we couldn't we couldn't communicate because we we our phones were reliant on the Wi-Fi, and we couldn't get on email. We couldn't, you know, and Fortunately, it came back on, but uh, you know, it was it was just you know, I kind of in a I would have loved to have been there, not working. I think I'd have enjoyed it a lot more than actually being there. But you know, I was still, you know, you're part of a. You can't forget you're part of a. You know, a mate of mine said to me, you know, you are watching history. You know, you, you're in a privileged position, so I shouldn't lose sight of that fact. Yeah, and uh, I've uh, you talked about match reports changing on the on a on on one goal in the in the last minute. I've been in that situation. It's it's a horrendous one to have to change up the entire it's, opening paragraph. It's a real skill that yeah. people don't realise. But you know you have so you know if you're if you're given a thousand word match report, and you know some I mean if say if you were covering um, I don't know Liverpool when they kind of pretty much blew the league at Crystal Palace that time when they, you know, when they gave away that. Your match is structured and you're right, you know, you'd be, and then all of a sudden the whole story can change in, 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 in the, obviously it often does in injury time, you know, and you have very little time to, to save yourself. And I've seen people kind of just, just almost freeze in that moment. You know, you have to, yeah. And certainly when I was younger, I used to, you know, find, you know, you are suddenly shrouded in a bit of panic and 
I, I think a bit of experience can help. You know, you just realise you have to stay calm, and because if you if you you know you, you still have to work, you still have you have no choice but to actually write. You know, to try and save yourself, basically. You know, so I mean, it goes the other way. If, if a team's freeing it, freeing it up after an hour, you can kind of enjoy the last last half an hour because you know that, um, you know, you know normally the story isn't going to change, but it's just those awful times where um, everything is packed into the last two or three minutes, and you know you look at your match report and you know it's just been entirely ruined. The story's entirely changed, and you are sending in something that you that that you know is not really telling the full story. But that, I mean. The beauty of the athletic is that I don't really have to do it anymore. I'm really talking there about sort of newspaper um, restrictions because obviously they have deadlines. Whereas, fortunately, now one of the things I enjoy about the athletic is that we have a little bit longer to work on our pieces, and we, you know, we can we, you know, some of those pieces you send in for first edition aren't worth reading. You know, I'm very honest about it. There's just, you know, there's they don't tell the true story. They might tell the story up to up to 75 minutes of the game, but that isn't a 90 minute match so so it's far better i think to to be working under the, the you know the new um well i wouldn't say restrictions because there aren't restrictions but but just the new way of working that i am now yeah yeah absolutely and um i and i think we you know you can definitely um catch more of your work in the athletic um a lot of good work and obviously you know if you, there's certainly more stories to tell with the end of the season um I guess as a final question, and you mentioned that the skill there of um, changing up a match report uh, on on a dime, really, when something happens, is there any other kind of pieces of general tips or advice you'd give to um, someone who's looking to get into, sport, into football or sports journalism, or um, things you maybe you wished you knew uh, when you were younger? Is there anything you you have that? that you have? Um, well, I, I was I was very lucky, really, because um, I was sort of I'd left school I went straight from I went straight from A levels to my lo my local newspaper um it was just so happened at the time that they were you know the timing was perfect they were advertising for a cub reporter um but it was my mum who saw the advert in the back of the paper I haven't seen it but I didn't go to college I didn't go to uni I think it's harder now because I mean that that certainly didn't help didn't hinder me if you know what I mean and the, you know having a I'd be honest, you know, having a degree wouldn't have changed anything for me in terms of like how I how I can work. I wish I had another language because that certainly would that certainly does help. And the journalists I know who speak two or three languages, that really does, you know, I do see that that helps. And, you know, um, but yeah, so I, I was lucky. Um, I, I, um, I think you still need a bit of luck sometimes because there are there are a few jobs out there, and there's lots of people who want them. So you have to persevere first and foremost. You, um, yeah, I suppose this sounds like a really bad football team talk. You have to kind of like really want it, I suppose, you know, because you might get knocked back. So I wrote to, you know, I'm a Forest fan. I wrote, I wrote to the Nottingham Evening Post. I wrote, I wrote to absolutely bloody everyone, basically, like trying to, you know, every time, you know, I, there used to be, um, I don't know if it still goes anymore, the Press Gazette, and they used to have like a load of jobs in the back pages. And I, you know, I wrote to the Exeter local paper and couldn't even drive at the time. My dad gave me a lift down to Exeter, you know, so it's like a five-hour drive. And uh, I don't even get a reply, you know, just so I didn't get a reply to the job interview, which is, um, you know, I've got. I had. I found a letter of my knockbacks, and, and it's a, a, you know, it's a sizable letter, basically. It's a, sorry, I found a, an envelope of my knockbacks, and it's there's a sizable file of 
letters basically saying, you know, thanks, but no thanks. So I persevered. So you have to persevere because there are, it's not, it's not easy getting in. Um, I definitely say in this new age of social media, you know, try and get your work out there. Um, you know, try and get a blog up there, you know, pester, try and get, try and not just get your blog, but try and get it on a site that it'll be noticed. You know, there are football sites, um, try and, you know, if you can't necessarily get onto a newspaper straight away, try and get noticed by decent football websites. And then you might, you know, like kind of move up the ladder, I suppose. Um, and yeah, just keep badgering away. Just, um, yeah, and also, I suppose, it sounds a bit corny, but, you know, just, you've obviously got to be quite good, I suppose, to be noticed. So, you know, just keep working working at it, really. You know, um, I know there's a lot of journalism students that want places that aren't necessarily there. So that's the hard thing. There's no point in me saying, oh, you know, it'll all come out, you know, because I know people that I thought would be really good journalists that just gave up in the end, you know, um, you know, working in different professions now because they just couldn't get they couldn't get their foot in really and in the end they need they needed a salary and i felt really, you know people that i know went on on journalism courses that, and and would have made you know i could see that they were talented but just you know it is difficult so you, you need a little you need to be pushy i think in a you know in a good way and um and certainly not lose heart if you get knocked back or you know because I think the first step is the hard, you know, getting on the ladder. Once you're on it, then you can stay on it. Hopefully, it's it's getting on there that's possibly the hardest leap. Yeah, that's uh, uh, really excellent advice and some really useful tips. And you mentioned luck. Well, we've been lucky to have you for the last half hour. I know we've run a little bit over, so apologies for that. But um, um, but again, that will bring, I guess, a wrap to this kind of mini interview. But thank you so much to the athletics. Uh, senior football writer Daniel Taylor um I think we've linked we've put social medias down throughout the video so you can probably find his Twitter account among the ticker uh thanks to Joe Spagnoli as always for joining me and uh we will be back on Saturday with uh some sort of some sort of football show probably we'll bring something together but uh thanks for joining us <laughs>